You guys can be seated. Hey, about five weeks ago, we decided that uh, today was going to be a day that we highlighted uh, Cornerstone Community Church, which if you were new to Rich Fork, uh, about a year and a half ago, we embarked on planting uh, a church locally. Uh, And I know that sounds crazy because there's a lot of churches locally, uh, but we just felt God leading us to a couple particular areas, and and that landed at Pickett Elementary School. And so uh, in January of this year, Pickett Elementary School began meeting, and we had planned to highlight their ministry today, but little did we know that it was going to rain so hard on Tuesday and Wednesday night that the school that they meet at was going to have a leak in their roof that was going to mess up their new floors, which was going to kick them out for the weekend, which was going to move them to Rich Fork. All right, so if you're from Cornerstone Community Church this morning, uh, our church plant, could you just let us know that you're here this morning? All right, all right, awesome, awesome, awesome. We are so excited that you're with us. Um, We hate that you're not there, but man, we're so excited that you're here. Um, And then we get a few minutes with you and to hear what God is doing there, and we're just so thankful that God is using y'all. Just so thankful that you guys are being obedient, and you guys are putting in a lot of work um, these folks that raise their hand, they get up early on Sundays and they set up church and they, tear, they have church, they tear church down, they walk around their neighborhoods, they share Jesus. And so these, these people are heroes, all right? These are missionaries that you have helped send uh, about 10 miles down the road. So we are so thankful that you guys are with us this morning. Um, later on in the service, we're going to take our Lord's Supper. Uh, and I've asked Pastor Mike from Cornerstone to help me serve in that because we got two churches here. So we're both going to serve you the Lord's Supper today. Uh, so we're excited that they're here with us today. We have been all summer in this series, Words from the Hill, in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And today we're, we're, we're not going to leave it, but we're going to pause and come back to chapter 7 uh, or to part of chapter 6 next week um, and conclude sometime this year chapter 7. All right, we'll get there, uh, I promise. Um, but as, we have been, as we've been walking through that, last week we, we brought it all together through the first two chapters of that with this statement that our actions and our attitudes must be in unison in order to bring glory to God. That our actions and our attitudes must be in unison in order to bring glory to God, to point towards Him. Because Jesus was saying, listen, your, your attitude, your actions aren't enough. Your attitudes must be aligned with them. As we see in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, Him saying to the people, listen, just because you, you say these things or do these things, what's the intention? What's going on in your heart? And today we, we get to see, not out of Matthew chapter 5, But out of the Gospel of Luke, we get to see and to read some moments where I believe we see Jesus modeling that for us. That we see the actions and the attitude of Jesus bringing glory to the Father, pointing forward. And so this morning, we're going to look at a few things as we go into our time of taking the Lord's Supper this morning. It's going to be an awesome day today. You're going to see some things that Cornerstone's been doing and hear some things, um, and we're going to celebrate with them. But first... We're going to look at the Lord's Supper. One of the most important things in our home is our kitchen table. Uh, I shared with you last week, we're in the middle of renovating our kitchen. No pictures today. All right, we're, we're in the process. Uh, it's a little dangerous to walk in there right now. The smell is a little overwhelming, all right? And uh, just crazy things going on in there the last couple days. Um, but instead of a picture, I want to describe to you our kitchen table. Our kitchen table is an oval table. Uh, it's, it's not more than about this long, not a, not a real big table. 
and uh, it's just an oval table. It's an oak laminate top, and let me tell you how we got this table. A few years ago, I went to one of our gentlemen in the furniture industry, and I said, I need a table that's indestructible. Right, I need one of those tabletops that you see at a restaurant or you see out and about that you can just beat on, do whatever you want to, and it's going to survive. He said, I got one. And so we, we got this table, and it has survived, all right? Um, it is still there all in one piece. Every once in a while, we've got to tighten the screws up a little bit, but it's, it's still our table. But it's not a special table. If you look at it, you wouldn't fight me for this table. You wouldn't say, oh, man, I'd love to have your table in my house. It's just a table, but it's not. Because what happens at that table makes that table special. And what happened at that table and what happens at your table, I don't know what kind of table you've got. I don't know if it's a great table, if it's a new table, if it's a fashionable table, if it's something you spent a lot of money on or you got at a yard sale. What happens at your table is what makes that table special. It's the meals, it's the fellowship. So let me describe my table to you in a different way. My table has had guests at it, missionaries from Indonesia. Uh, my, get, my table has had, uh, through the grace of God, a former student and her husband who are now missionaries, were missionaries in China, and they live in Kansas, and they've sat at our table and had desserts. Uh, our, our table is, is kind of special in that um, we have two chairs on the end, two chairs here, and a window seat. The magic, magical thing about a bay window, we've made that into a multi-seat, all right? It's not just two seats. It's easily four seats. Depending on the size of the guest, it might be six seats, all right? We have had at D Weekend, our student ministry weekend before years ago, we've had 13 people around the table. And my wife could not be happier in those moments, all right? We, we've had those moments where missionaries have been there. We've played games at that table. We've eaten a lot of meals at that table. We've had Bible studies at that table, We've planned weddings, maybe with one of you at that table. You've come over and we've talked about your wedding plans. We have, let me, let me correct that. My wife and children have made a million crafts at this table. And it has still survived, right? Now, they've also had a few science projects go awry, but those went awry on the countertops that are no longer in the kitchen. They did not happen on the table, all right? And, and so we have this table, but if you look at it and you walk in, you see the table, you go, man, it's just a table, but we've cried at this table together. We've laughed at this table together. We've celebrated. We've signed documents for our adoption of our daughter at this table. This table is special to us, not because of the table itself, but because of what takes place around it. It's the epicenter of our home. It makes us happiest when the table is full, and it makes us more confused when it's not. I don't know what your table's like, if you have meals, if you have craziness going on at your table, but did you know that tables and meals are biblical? If you read the Gospel of Luke... You can barely turn a page without Jesus having a meal at someone's table. Jesus has some of the most incredible moments with people at tables. Luke chapter 5 is one of those instances. Jesus is having, he's going to have a meal with someone, with a group of people. You're going to read this, I'm going to read this this morning out of Luke. It's also recorded in Matthew, and Matthew, the guy's name is in uh, Matthew, the guy's name is Matthew, so Levi and Matthew are the same person, all right, as you're reading through this. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. 
And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. The IRS came together for a meal with Jesus. That's what's going on here. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus answered. Notice, they asked the question to the disciples, but Jesus steps in to give the answer. Boys, you're not going to ask somebody else. You're going to come directly to me. I'm going to give the answer. And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. At this table with Jesus are those in society that were not favored. And at this table, at this moment, sinners realized there was hope. You see, that's what's happening here. The Pharisees, they're disappointed, they're confused, they're grumbling, they're upset, they don't know what to do with Jesus now. But, but know this, a group of people who were considered social outcasts or those not favored were realizing something. This Jesus has something for me. And I sure am glad I'm at the table. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, Jesus had been invited to a Pharisee's home for dinner. In the middle of dinner, uh, the Bible calls this person, uh, this lady, a woman of the city. That is not a complimentary role, all right? In the city, she is a woman of the city. She comes in, interrupts dinner, takes her hair down, begins to wash Jesus' feet with her hair, anoint his feet with oil. Pharisee is horrified at the actions of the woman, but more so the response of Jesus. This is happening at his table in his house. He says, and he said to her, to the woman, Jesus does, your sins are forgiven. This happened at a table. This happened at a meal. This happened where people were gathered together. Then those who were at the table with them began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So now at the table, we've got forgiveness of sins. We've got reconciliation. We've got Jesus saying, I'm going to forgive you of your sins. We've got confusion that's taking place. And all this is happening around a table. In, in Luke chapter 9, there's a, a meal, all right? We can call it that. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It did not happen at one table, all right? Even having all you guys over for dinner would be a little bit of a problem. But 5,000 people would gather together. There wasn't enough food. Jesus does the miraculous, provides food for them at a meal. In Luke chapter 10, Martha and Mary, they are, they are listening to and they're responding to Jesus. But Martha, she's off in the kitchen. She's off doing all of her love language acts of service for Jesus. She's getting ready for Jesus. And Mary, where is she? She's at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Mary has made the wiser choice. Luke 14 shares a picture of Jesus at the home of the head Pharisee. Translation, the most religious man in town. In 2018, he would be the head deacon, if you have him. He would be the head of every committee. He would attend every service. 
He would follow all the rules and he would let everybody know it. And Jesus is at his house having dinner. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now, I'm a visual learner, so when I read, sometimes I picture what's taking place, and I see Jesus inside the Pharisee's house, and I see everybody looking in, peeking in. Maybe the windows were open. Maybe the disciples were out there having a discussion, and they're looking in, and they're watching, and they, Scripture says they're watching him carefully. They want to know, what is he going to do next? And then in the middle of this, Jesus, someone approaches him, someone from the community comes to him for healing, and Jesus heals the Pharisees. They're not sure, what do we do now? Luke chapter 19, Jesus invites himself to the home of Zacchaeus. I'm not going to try to sing the song, because I tried that a couple years ago, and nobody knew the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, so I'm not going to do it again this morning, all right? But a wee little man was he, all right? And Zacchaeus, what Jesus calls to him and said, let's go to your house, let's have a meal, let's sit down together and talk. Guys, listen, the meal, the table, it's not about the food. Know this about Jesus. It's not about the food. It's not about the bread. It's not about what they're having for dinner. It's the fellowship and the reconciliation and the opportunity to look somebody square in the eyes across the table and communicate something to them. I don't know if you've ever had somebody at your table that you might have a broken relationship with, but that's hard. That's hard to sit across the table from somebody and know there's a brokenness there and have a conversation across the table. All these emotions. So it should come at no surprise that on the eve of Jesus' betrayal, what did Jesus do? He didn't call his disciples out to another hillside and say, guys, I got another sermon for you. In the middle of the Passover, He called and sent his disciples ahead. And his disciples found the room that had been designated for them. And Jesus does what? He sits down at a table. And he sits down at the table. And at this table, Jesus does something remarkable. Because at this table, at the season of the year that's going on, there's something taking place in their history called the Passover. And for 2,000 years, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, had celebrated the Passover because 2,000 years before, God told Moses to give instruction to the people, before you leave Egypt, you're going to take part in this Passover meal. And it had very specific instructions. And for 2,000 years, they've been practicing this meal every single year at the same time. And Jesus is going to do something so interesting for us this morning. Jesus is going to reach all the way back 2,000 years and bring 2,000 years forward. And he's also going to look ahead and give us a vision of what's to come. Now you have a tremendous advantage when you come to Luke chapter 22. When you come to Luke chapter 22 and you read this, you have, the majority of you, if you've ever been in church, you have the advantage of knowing that Jesus had the meal of the disciples, then the persecution of Jesus began to take place, then his death, then his resurrection. These men sitting around the table do not have the knowledge that you have. So if you can, peel that away for just a few moments. When the hour came, verse 14, chapter 22, Luke. He reclined at the table and the apostles with him. 
And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He continues, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19, Jesus is now going to take a look forward. And he says, and he took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus is letting them know without them grasping it completely that his body is about to be broken, that his blood is about to be poured out in a new covenant. A covenant, Jesus would become a sacrifice for the sins of mankind, for for me and you. Verse 21, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me at the table, and the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. They began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. And this all happened at a table. They're reclining at the table. They're sitting back. Jesus is walking through the Passover meal, and then he interjects. And he says, let let me just pass this bread. And this bread represents my broken body. This cup of this juice that's coming to you, it represents my blood that is poured out for you. So when you do these things, do these in remembrance of me. So as we, in just a moment, I don't know what your church background is or if you're new to church um, but churches do things a little bit different. But here, we'll, we'll, in a few minutes, we'll have our deacons will come and we'll pass out the elements. The first will be bread, a little wafer, and we'll pass it out to you. I'll pray after that. We'll take part of that. The next, we'll pass out cups with juice and we'll pass those out and we'll partake in that. But make no mistake about it. Jesus is pointing the disciples that soon his body was going to be broken that soon his blood was going to be poured out and that was going to cover the sins of those who surrender to Jesus Christ. But also, Jesus is going to set an example. Because you know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to serve his disciples. The Messiah is going to serve his disciples. And so as Jesus becomes the sacrifice and no longer is going to serve people, now it's our opportunity to serve people. The sacrifice has been made, now we become the servants to serve other people, and we are to lead them to the broken body of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, that gives us, as we have sung this morning, freedom and hope. These are really the words in the hill coming to life. These are coming full circle, and Jesus is not giving them to a thousand people on a hillside. He's giving them to a small group of men gathered in a room, and he says, hey, sit down at the table. Let's talk about your history. Let's talk about your eternity. And it's going to be changed through my body and through my blood. So today we've set a table for you. You're not going to come sit at the table. It'd be a little confusing. We're going to bring the bread and the juice to you. And I want to encourage you this morning that if 
you are a follower of Jesus Christ, take this meal. I loved, in the first service, one of our children came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor, I was able, the parents said, Pastor, my daughter was able to take communion for the first time because she had surrendered her life to Jesus. Parents, that's a, a great morning for them, but it's also a morning that represents a lot of mornings where their child did not take part of the Lord's Supper because that, that family carefully explained to them, this is a meal for those who've surrendered their lives to Jesus. So I'd encourage you, even during, while we're taking this, to whisper to your children why we're doing this, how we're doing this. But I also want to encourage you this morning. If this morning you realize that you've sinned, and we all have, and that you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. Today, on a day of remembering, a day of giving thanks, would you surrender your life to Christ? Would you acknowledge your sinfulness and your need for a Savior? And that is taking place through Jesus. You don't have to have me to give you magic words. You can cry out to the Lord and say, I have sinned and I need a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and was raised to life and he will save me. I also want to say this. If you're a church, if you're here with us this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, be cautious in taking this meal. It's a serious meal. It's a serious gathering that Jesus had. It's a, it's a meal of reconciliation, of remembrance, of forgiveness and mercy. But it is also, as we see in Corinthians, not to be taken lightly. So this morning, if you have broken fellowship with another believer, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, if you have a, a sinful pattern that you are in the middle of, and you simply say, I just can't take, you have the freedom to take, but you also have the freedom not to. And that is equally a blessing to spend this time in prayer, asking God to forgive you. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to begin to have a meal at the table together. A meal of reconciliation, a meal of redemption, a meal of hope. Let's pray.